0: bless you, you may be seated, thank you, thank you Pastor Rolando for those kind words and thank you musicians for your great work today, give the band a hand, they, they work hard, they work hard and uh, I'm glad to be here with you today, I'm going to take my glasses off so I can, I can see my notes, I, at this age I have to choose between seeing you or what I have to say. I don't have the luxury of both, so now that I know that you're out there, I can take them off and focus on the business at hand. It's our privilege to be with you today, our our church is in session right now, and of course uh, after 15 years of labor in Jersey City, our hearts are there, um, our children are there, both of them are serving and leading in, in that church, and our children in the gospel and one of our one of our sons in the gospel is preaching that service today just got off the phone with him and encouraging him and and God has been blessing and we're just so thankful for all that God is doing in Jersey City and and in Staten Island I I leaned over to Pastor Rolando a second ago and said man you you picked up a few new folks you've got You've grown since we were here a year ago, and um, that's all that matters to me. I said to him, that's the only bottom line that I have. Every other bottom line must serve that bottom line. The only bottom line that really matters is humankind, souls. Numbers matter because each number represents an eternity. Every number represents an eternity. And when I hear someone say numbers don't matter, what I hear is that them saying is that people don't matter. But Jesus said one soul is worth more than the entire planet, the whole world. And so I celebrate your growth. I celebrate your progress. <clears throat> It's, it's what matters. It's what matters. We must be about our Father's business. My wife is with me today. She wasn't with me last year. She's with me today, and I'm so blessed. <clears throat> I'm blessed to have a woman that loves God more than she loves me and loves God more than she loves her children and loves God more than she loves anything else in the world. She loves the work of God. She is the hardest working woman I have ever known, and the hardest working person that I've ever known, and a great leader, and a great mother. And uh, I, 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 I'm reminded of uh, something. Somebody asked Hillary Rodham Clinton many years ago. I don't know if this is true or not, but I was told that they asked her, um, wasn't she glad that she had married Bill? Um, and what, would she, what did she think she would be if she hadn't? She said, well, I don't know what Bill would be, but I'd be the wife of the President of the United States. <laughs> uh, and I know that's true in my house. <clears throat> I know that's true in my house. I'm, I'm where I am because I married right. You can either you can marry up, and I did, or you can marry down, uh, and I thank God I married up. And I don't know what she did wrong, but, but uh, I'm I'm thankful that she messed up somewhere along the way and got punished with me. Praise God, Amen. Love. Love the work of God. I love the work of God. If you're not in love with the work of God, then you and I are not friends. I don't have time for you. Oh, I like you. I like you. Um, let's let's figure it out. Go ahead and extend it out there. Pull it way on out. Pull it on out. All right, and lock it. And let's turn it, kind of like so pull that down there give this a twist slide that in there thank you i might have overdone that Let's, uh, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out i've done this before not my first rodeo y'all don't even know what a rodeo is From out west, how I ended up—only God, only God. They said you'll never make it. We uh, we didn't assess well as church planners. They told us we couldn't. They said you just you're not cut out for it. And then when we said New York City area, they laughed and said you'll never succeed. Literally, literally, an elder laughed in my face from New York City and said, you, you, you picked the wrong spot on the map. But when God calls you, <clears throat> whom he calls, he equips. And um, in spite of our Western and Southern superior sound of talking <laughs> and uh, articulating and, um, and all of that, Here we are, uh, being used of the Lord in the greatest city on earth, the capital of the world, if you ask me. And I love it, and I love God's people. And I want you to succeed. I want you to matter. Boy, I'm trying to get into this sermon, but I... I was going through a journal this morning, I was looking for some old notes, I'm trying to help someone write a book and I've got, I've, I know I've got some notes on the subject that we're writing uh, in some old journals. So I was reading through old journals early this morning, 5, 6 o'clock this morning and I came across some notes from when my daughter was about five years old. She's 22 now and leading our youth department and doing an incredible job. but. Um, I had written I'd written down that she had asked me that morning. Um, she said, "Daddy, do I matter?" And I, I answered her, of course, the way any loving father would, you know. And uh, when I was finished with my answer, she asked again. She said. Do I matter to everyone? And I don't even know how I answered that. I imagine that was a complicated answer to a four-year-old. And then she asked a third question, and I wrote all this in my journal. And I just discovered it today after I hadn't read that in many years. But she wrote, she asked the third question. She said, do I matter to God? And, of course, the generic answer for all of us is yes. But then sometimes I want to go a little bit deeper and I want to ask, does my life matter to God? And what I mean by that is, of course, I matter in the sense that God cares, that He loves me, but do I matter in the sense making a difference. June Carter, Johnny Cash's wife would always respond. When anyone asked her, how are you, dear? She would say, just trying to matter. Just trying to matter. Of course we matter, of course we matter to God, but beyond that agape love, peace, On the practical side of things, do we matter? Do you matter? Are you making a difference? Will you leave a legacy? I'm coming from Matthew chapter 27, verse 57 is the story of Joseph of Arimathea and his relationship to Christ after his crucifixion. The Bible says when evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph who also himself was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Understand that it was a Roman uh, tradition. I don't know if it was law, but it was practice that crucified victims hung on the cross until the animals ate them. Uh, They did not receive burial." their remains would eventually be cast into the garbage dump where they would be burned or simply left to rot. But more often than not, they were on the cross for weeks or months at a time. But he begged the body of Jesus, and then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb which he had hewn in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulchre. So who is this guy, Joseph of Arimathea? Well, there are several things that we know about him. First, we know that he was rich and loved Jesus. He was rich and he loved Jesus. Jesus. We also know that Joseph of Arimathea obviously spent time building his own business. So he was a businessman, which means he was busy. Uh, Anyone who's ever built their own business knows that it's harder work and longer hours than working for somebody else, punching a time clock. If you're gonna succeed as an entrepreneur, it's gonna be because you, it's not gonna be because you put in 40 hours a week. It's gonna be because you lived, ate, and slept your business. So Joseph was a successful businessman. He was wealthy, so we can obviously conclude, and of course we know the work ethic of the Hebrew people, we know that he was very busy. On top of that, he served in the courts of law, which is the same as the politics of our day. So on top of being a very successful businessman, he was a politician with political uh, duties and uh, practices. So Joseph of Arimathea was rich, he loved Jesus, He Spent time building his own business. He served in the courts of his day. And this busy man still had time to beg the body. This busy man still had time to beg to serve the body. To beg to be involved with the body. To beg to create a place for the body. He understood something. He understood that God gave me my talents and all that I have for the purpose or so that I can take care of the body of Christ. Everything that I am and everything that I have ultimately serves one purpose, and that is to serve God. So if I have more than my fellow man, it just means that I get to serve in a greater way my Savior. And uh, so he did not allow his busyness or his esteem or his a lofty position uh, to in any way hinder or relegate him to some special category and leave the uh, needs of the body of Christ to other people. But instead, he felt more responsible, apparently, than anyone else. Where were all of the other disciples? Where were the future apostles? Where were those who were going to reach the world for Jesus? Instead, we have the busiest, richest man in the church there working alone. Where is everyone else? 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You are the body of Christ and members individually. And there's two meanings that we can take away from that, brothers and sisters, and that is that we are the corporate body. Corporately speaking, we make up the body of Jesus Christ. And of course, we can expand it even beyond that, and that is that there is one body of Christ in the world and that we are a part of a great, great body of Christ made up of millions of churches and families of worship and uh, then we could even go beyond that and say that we're part of the universal body of Christ because many have already passed over into their reward. But going the other direction. What if it's just you? What if there's no one else in the room? No one else in the moment? No one else attending the crisis? Is the body of Christ not there because you are the only one there? He said you are the body of Christ and members individually. So even when I am all by myself, then I, am the body of Christ <laughs> me by myself all alone i love the song years ago the rambo's used to sing jesus with skin on jesus with skin on because you might be the only jesus some people ever see the body of Christ is not just corporate It's not just national, international, or even universal, but it's also local, and not just local, but individual, meaning that you can't pass off your responsibility as the body of Christ onto someone else because there are others, it will get done. No, no, you individually, I as a person, have a responsibility to be the body of Christ. Now, I want to point out here in the next few minutes four ways that Joseph blessed the body because I think that there's an incredible uh, typology here in Joseph's handling of the physical body of the risen or at uh, at that time the crucified Savior, And how we could be handling the body of Christ today. So the first thing that happened with Joseph and the body of Christ was uh, he had compassion for the body. He he had compassion. He, He wasn't okay with the idea of the body being devoured, left alone in the dark, vultures, He wasn't okay. His hopes were destroyed just like everybody else's. But when everyone else had crawled into a bottle or a fishing boat or whatever uh, comfort that they had gone to find, uh, their Messiah is dead, their ministry is over, all is lost. Joseph had compassion on the dead remains of his dreams Of his hopes. All that was left looked like a lie, but he had compassion on the body. He knew that something had to be done, and there was no time to look around or wait for someone else to do it. He saw it, he addressed it. We have a saying at Tapestry: it's, if you see it, you serve it. If you see it, you serve it. Simply put, a new person comes to tapestry and uh, they ask, why don't you do such and such? How come this church doesn't blankety-blank-blank? Well, because you just got here. That's why, Pastor, how come we're not Exactly. Why aren't we? Because if you see, I didn't see it. Because I'm already serving everything I see. But but God let you see it. So if you, people learn at Tapestry to be careful what they say. What they complain about or what they criticize. Because if you see it, you serve it. And we just like to say, you're it. You're it. And Joseph understood, he understood, I see it, I serve it. I see the problem, no one else sees it, no one else cares, no one else is doing anything about it. What am I going to do, go off and criticize everybody else? Or am I going to figure out how to solve the problem myself? And all, out of all them apostles, all he could get was two women to help him. But that didn't stop him. He didn't go off and quit the church and criticize. He said, all right, it's us. And they got the job done because he had compassion for the body. He could not stand seeing the body in the position that it was in. Not everybody loves the church. Not everybody that goes to church loves the church. A lot of people that go to church are consumers, they're not contributors, they're just consumers. They come to be fed, they come to be fed, they come to be blessed, they come to be helped. Uh, when someone comes to me and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit old school, you got to understand, Tanya and I came into town in a U-Haul truck and a trailer. We both got jobs. Tanya went to work teaching school. I went to work painting houses. Then I got a contract with Walmart, and I spent a couple of years digging ditches on my hands and knees with a six-inch long shovel repairing sprinkler systems because God called us to start a church. We gave up a church. We gave up high living. We gave up preaching conferences and camp meetings and revival meetings and, and, and running with the fat cat preachers, and we came up here and we died in Jersey city. We got lost and we got forgotten and we struggled and we worked because we loved and we cared and we gave ourselves to the body and and when I see people that don't get it and, and, and when someone comes to me and says I don't feel like I'm being fed here at Tapestry Church. First of all I want to punch them in the eye. Right in the eye. I want to punch them in the eye. And let me tell you why I want to punch them in the eye. And here's what I say to them. You know what? You're exactly right. You know what? I don't think I'm being fed either. In fact, you know what? I've been in this church for 15 years. I've never been fed one time. No one has ever fed me one time in this church in 15 years. I think I'm going to quit and leave. No, of course not. How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous is that? Come to church to get fed. Really? That's the multitude, not the disciples. That's not the disciples. We don't come to church to get fed. We come to church to feed. We come to church to serve. We come to church to do ministry. If you're not being fed, first of all, you're not in a small group because if you're in a small group, you'd be being fed. You're not in relationships because if you were in quality relationships with people of God, you'd be being fed by those relationships. And thirdly, you're not ministering to others because if you were, Jesus said, I have meat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. He he said that on his way to the well of Samaria to minister to the woman at the well. And so, amen, we are fed. I go to church on Monday. I don't ever go to church on Sunday. I never, ever, ever go to church on Sunday. I do church on Sunday. See, believe it or not, I'm not being fed right now. I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm giving out. I'll leave here in worse condition than I got here this morning. Every Sunday... We preachers leave here in worse condition than we got here. Every Sunday, this worship team pretty much leaves here with less than they got here. with. Well, they get to hear the preaching. But, but we give but I go to church on Monday on my laptop and I listen to at least three sermons and, and, and at least one worship set and I have prayer if I don't do that on Monday I do it on Tuesday but, but I go to church on the internet I find, I've got a several good pastors that preach to me and that's where I get fed because I need to be fed Amen. so there, you got no excuse you got, you got an iPhone you got no excuse for not being fed I can give you a list of preachers if you'd like. Amen. but, But the truth of the matter is, Josephs don't think like that. They don't think like that. Because they don't come into church wore out, beat up, limping, barely breathing spiritually, needing somebody to resuscitate them to get them through another week. Because they have a walk with God and they're about the harvest and they're about the ministry and they're about growing the church and they come and they're looking to see who's going to be here today. Who could I pray for? Who could I encourage? Who could I get in my small group? Who could I get on my dream team? They're not just coming to receive. They're not just consumers. They're contributors. I wish I could get one amen from that section over there. Joseph had compassion on the body. He 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 wasn't just a critique of the body. He wasn't just an analyzer of the body. Church hoppers. Yeah, you're right. Uh Uh-oh, let's just not even go there. Fall in love with, with a local part of the body and give your life to it for the rest of your life. Because if you don't, you're sacrificing your children because they're not going to love a local body either because you yanked them around every time you got your panties in a knot, you left and found another church. And your children pay the price and they don't love the Lord. They don't love the local church because they didn't see it in you. Fall in love with the body. Have compassion on the body. When you hurt, when you get hurt, when you get offended, figure out how to grow from the situation and from the exercise. Figure out how to forgive. Figure out how to reconcile. And stay with the body. I got a neighbor. I saw him this morning. I've got a neighbor. He says to me, he says, I just go where the Spirit leads me. Funny thing is, his car always there on Sunday morning. And I, I just want to ask him, boy, the Spirit don't lead you very often, does he? <laughs> Evidently, the Spirit must lead him to sleep on Sunday mornings. Because he only goes to church where the Spirit Leads him. Let me tell you something. The spirit doesn't contradict the word of God. Let me me get away from that right now. Let me get away from that. He had compassion for the body. He loved the body. We're looking for folks who love the church. Who love the church. I had somebody tell me, well, pastor, I'm part of the universal church. Number two, number two, he moved the body. He moved the body. You know what? I want to skip number two. Let's go to number three. I'm going to come back to number two. Number three, he covered the body. He covered the body. He wrapped the body in a clean linen cloth, the Bible said. Understand, Jesus was a naked, bloody mess. See? The body of Christ was a mess. And Joseph wrapped the body in a clean linen cloth. He covered the body. Let, let me put this out here. Put it, the, put it on the screen. There are two kinds of people handling the body of Christ. Those who make the body look better than it really is and those who make it look worse than it really is. People in that second category don't even fellowship with those people. Just just give them their papers and send them Let them go trouble some other church without a vision. Let somebody else babysit those people. Because until they repent, all they're going to do is drain your energy and your excitement and your passion. People who can see a problem and expand it. You know the only difference in a mountain and a molehill is the amount of dirt. And people who can see a problem and oh my, you know what? When someone comes running up to me and says, Pastor, we got a problem, I, I just it's all I can do to keep from throat punching them. They got that, they got that frantic look and we've got a problem. You know, I've been at this for a, a few days. I, I've been in business with Jesus. This is my 39th year of preaching the gospel. 39 years, 36 years full time in the ministry. This is all I know. And I've just never seen a big problem. I've never seen anything that was bad as people thought it was or that God couldn't handle. But folks can look at something that's an opportunity for faith, that's an opportunity for investment, that's an opportunity to solve, and they just look at it and they just just go running and screaming. The sky is falling. Amen. Because there's folks that make the body look worse. We're not live streaming, are we? We are. We're not. She's she shaking her head? I can't tell. <laughs> Don't. All right, I won't. But man alive, some folks can, can sit you down, and before they're done talking, you want to quit. You want to slit your wrist. You want to resign. You're like, I failed. This church is a joke. I mean, they just talk you out of it. And someone else, and, and you and you just kind of leave that meeting and your eyes are crossed and you're like, Oh my God, I've wasted my life. And and you walk in the next room and there's somebody saying, I just want to say thank you for saving my life. If it wasn't for you in this church, I don't know where I'd be. And you're like, Who do I believe? I'll tell you who I'm gonna believe. It's like, who was it? Hezekiah or one of those guys, whose report will you believe that song, you know? Are you gonna re are you going to believe the threats of the enemy, and the letter that you got from Assyria? Or are you going to believe the prophet Isaiah when he comes in? Who, who, who are you going to believe? Who are you going to be? Are you going to be somebody who makes the body look better than it really is? Are you going to cover the body? When the body's a mess, are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to cover this up. I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to help this situation. Or you somebody goes running and said, oh my God, I don't know what Pastor Rolando's doing. You guys, you should have seen what happened to that. No, 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 no. If you love the body, if you love the body, if you love the body, you're going to protect it. You're going to cover it. You're going to shield it. You're going to make it look better disagree with those critics and those naysayers, and you're going to say, no, 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 It's, it's not that bad. Let me tell you something. Successful churches are messy. Successful churches, and by success, I mean churches that are reaching people far from God, because that's the, that's the call, that's the purpose of the church. It's why the church exists, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what we get. We get creatures in the church. And a successful church is a messy church, people. The Bible said where the stall, uh, where there is no oxen, the barn is clean. But how many of you know barns weren't made to smell like wintergreen and spearmint. How many of you know barns were designed and built to smell like crap? But where there's no ox, he said, Solomon said, where there's no ox, there, there's no poop. It's clean. But the reverse of that is where there's power, where there's productivity... Where there's oxen, there's crap. So if you're in a crappy church, you're in a good church. If your church is full of crap, it's a good church because there's something there alive producing all that crap. Okay? He's down there so he can't pull my coattail. Oh, listen, the body of Jesus was a stinking mess, but he covered it. He covered it. Well, he covered it. And, and while others were walking away saying, no, I can't deal with that. Now I'm going to have to go find something else. Joseph saying, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to save the situation. It's not as bad as it looks. Let me wrap it up. Let me cover it. Let me clean it. I don't care how bad it is. I love it. Let me tell you something. When you love the church, the church is a mess. If it's, if it's got messy people, then they're, they're your messy people. They're your mess, right? You love them. Anyway, he had compassion for the body. He covered the body. And then we'll go back to number two. He moved the body. More specifically, and this is, this is pretty profound. I don't know if it will be when I say it, but it really is. Uh, he moved it from a death position resurrection ready one man did this to the body of Christ the body was dead and it was in a death position but one man's energy and interest and concern moved it from a death position to resurrection ready it's our job as Christians whatever your role is in the body It's all our job to get people ready for the coming of the Lord, to get people ready for the Judgment Day, to get people ready for eternity. And people come in to the church. They walk in to the lobby, and you have an opportunity their next step, which is the auditorium. Moving the body, whether it's first impressions, I don't know what you call it here, whether it's cleaning the restrooms, setting up the signs, you're actually moving people closer to God. You get them in here, and where do you want them next? Well, you want them in the altar. You want them to pray a fresh start. You want them to fill out a fresh start card. You want them to fill out a connect card. You, you want them to make a decision for Christ. And What's next? Well, we need to move them to growth track and and, and and so that they can build a relationship and we can get to know them and they can understand why we do church The way we do and what the vision and the passion of this church is about because we know if we can get them in growth track then they'll they'll be back next sunday and and they'll be they'll be four sundays in a row and we're going to have an opportunity to really help them stabilize and become a part of this body and and hey they're in growth track now we need to move them into a community group we've got to get them connected to the body and 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 we've got to move them into a dream team because they need to serve God designed them to serve and they benefit from serving and from the relationships that they get from serving and 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 then what do we do well we start over we go back out there and we look for the next person that we can move towards the weekend experience so that we can start that whole process over again and it's all we do that's all we do that's all we do, that's all we do. That's the whole enchilada. Uh, that's all there is. We just go out there. We find somebody. We get them to show up so we can smile at them and impress them at how friendly we are. So we can get them in the room. So we can sing songs. So we can preach the gospel. So they can pray a fresh start prayer. So they can join growth track. So they can join a small group. So they can join a dream team. So they can go get somebody and bring them to Sunday. So they can come into the lobby. So that they can come. That's all. We do. That's the gospel. That's the body. That's what the body does. But I started out today by saying that not only are we the body, but I started out by saying that you're the body. And you're the body. And you're the body. And my question to you, body of Christ, today is, can you... Move the body? Are you partnered with the vision, not just of Kuhau, but the vision of God? The heart of God for Staten Island. Are you conscious? And are you personal? Are you moving the body? Are you personally making sure people are finding this place on a Sunday morning? Are you personally making sure people find their way to growth track? Are you personally making sure that people get in a small group? Are you personally making sure that people get on a dream team? Are you moving the body? Now, if you're just a consumer, you're not there yet, and hopefully you'll get there yet. I didn't mean to uh, infer that all consumers are forever consumers. Of course not. Everybody starts out a, as a consumer. But sooner or later, your relationship changes with God and with the body of Christ, and you go from only being a consumer, only coming to be blessed, only coming to be helped, and you you start moving the body. Come on, somebody. You start partnering with the passion and the vision of the body, And and can I just tell you, the growth track is your growth track. It's not just his growth track or their growth track or whoever's teaching growth track. It's your growth track, and it's your job when you bring somebody to church to make sure they get in growth track. It's your job. If you got to go through growth track again, you go through growth track again. If that's the only way you get them in growth track, you go to growth track. Some of y'all to go to growth track two or three times a year. You know what that means? You're a soul winner. You're bringing people to church with you, and you got to go to growth track because you got a new one. I don't think they're here. I'm telling you, this is all the body does. Oh, I know some of you want to work miracles. You want to be spooky. You want to speak tongues, wave magic wands, and see miracles poof happen. Let me tell you something. Nobody loves miracles more than I do. Nobody likes to see God manifest His power any more than I do. We had a girl... You can watch, the, it's, it's online. It's, uh, a couple weeks ago, a girl's leg grew miraculously. She used to stand like this because her leg was so much longer than the other. Now she stands straight, instantaneously. Believe in all of that. Believe in all of that. But let me tell you something. The vision, the passion is simple. And I don't, I don't have to work a miracle. I don't got to be a miracle worker. I don't got to be a prophet. I don't got to read anybody's mail. I don't got to be spooky. I don't got to be able to sing in eight octaves. All I got to do is I just got to bring somebody. I got to get them in growth rack. I got to push them into a community group. I got to get them on a dream team. Because if I do that, I'm a soul winner. And I just keep doing that over. I wonder if they know it yet. Do I need to say? I wonder if they figured out the four things we do yet. Should we go throw them again? Uh, What's the first thing we do? What's the second thing we do? Okay, two people heard me. I better, I better back and preach this whole thing all over. Move the body. Take ownership of what the body is doing. The vision of this life. The way the gospel happens here. It doesn't happen the same in every church. The language is different, and, and, and it doesn't happen as well in every church. But but this church is growing. This church matters. This church is making a difference. You know how I know that? Because you've got more people in the auditorium today than you had in the entire building one year ago. Go check your numbers because I wrote them down. I know. Because I, I keep records of stuff other people don't think about. Your matter. This church is making a difference. So I invite you. I don't know how long you've been here but I'm just going to meddle with you for a minute. I'm fixing to get out of the way. Take ownership of this body and make up your mind. You know what? This church is going to grow because I'm going to grow it. I'm going to grow it. This church is going to prosper because I'm going to prosper it. This church is going to expand because I am going to expand. The last thing in closing... Joseph did for the body was he provided a place for the body. The Bible says that the sepulcher, the grave, was carved out of solid rock. Think about it. Think about the incredible hard work that that was. A pick, a shovel, a hammer, a chisel. Oh, you say he was a rich man, so he paid people to do it. Okay, then think about that. How much did it cost him? Either way you want it, it wasn't easy. It was expensive, and it was hard work. Do you think Staten Island deserves this church to grow? Do you think Staten Island needs this church to succeed and grow? Can I tell you today that it's not easy work? It's not easy work. Churches aren't built overnight yes, it's Jesus' church, and yes, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I I get that, but I also understand that we are his tools. In fact, he told Jeremiah in the Old Testament, the Bible says Jehovah is a man of war, but he told Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he said, you are my battle axe and my weapons of war. So if Jesus is building a church we're the hammers we're the saws we're the nails we're the tools and churches aren't built overnight Jesus said when you pray pray for laborers pray for workers because it takes digging hard messy work to grow a church because at the end of the day brothers and sisters it's the hard work of relationships that grows a local body you don't you don't you cannot just come to church on Sunday and go home you've got to dig in to what this church is doing Not one of a part, an active part of one of those four things that I've talked about today, then chances are you're not impacting or mattering to this church's movement and progress and growth. And I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory way, I'm just telling you, whatever you are doing may not be affecting the bottom line of this ministry in terms of eternal collateral you're owning some part of the process in an an intimate personal way and every part of the process in some kind of way. And then, of course, it goes without saying that if you love the body, if you love the body, then you're going to support. generosity series we're, we're in this overflow sermon series today and bottom line is it takes money to do anything good or bad evil or holy everything costs of the body, you will invest in it. My last scripture is, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He did not say, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Because it's possible to love something and not support it. My legs aren't working. Oh, God. But it's not possible to support something. think backwards where your heart is there will your treasure be also Jesus said no if you don't love it yet try investing in it and see what happens to your heart take responsibility for the bills and watch God change your heart because where your treasure is there will your heart be also. This young pastor and I are at the disadvantage of stupid TV preachers who make us look like fools, who make the gospel look like a merchandising small business operation who make preachers look like money grubbers. And our whole society, Satan, has effectively poisoned against church as it pertains to finances or money in any way. And we're fighting an uphill battle in our culture because people have been poisoned against generosity. As it comes to God. Think nothing of being highly generous in an Uber or in a restaurant or spending the bank to go to Disney World or Six Flags, but when it comes to the house of God, oh, you guys are just about money. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. God will change your heart if you'll have enough faith to believe the word and begin to invest Joseph understood that his resources were given to him for an opportunity to serve the body of Christ. And some of us have massive resources and some of us have very limited resources, but the Bible gives us a baseline called the tithe where, by which everybody can be on equal footing before God, whether you're a millionaire or whether you're on government subsidy, you can be on equal footing before God by giving your tithe. Anything above that is your opportunity to shine above and beyond the call of duty. But you have an opportunity to live up to the favor of God in the tithe and the offering. You have an opportunity. And no, you're not not cursed if you don't because we're not under the law. Jesus removed the curse of the law. He he nailed it to the cross. So uh, when he said in Malachi that you rob God in tithes and offering, is it... Is it still robbing God in the New Testament? I don't know. I don't know. But it's not cursed. I know that because the curse of the law has been removed. But here's what I do know, sister pastor. If I'm not tithing, even if I'm not robbing God, I'm robbing myself. I'm robbing me because I'm not living in the principle of God's word that was pre-law, goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. The very first thing God did in the garden was say, this tree's mine. The tithe goes from Genesis to Revelation and I'm not living in the principle. I'm not living in the principle. worshiping him with my money in fact he said he said if you give me the first ten of every hundred or the first one of every ten he said I'll bless the nine I'll bless the nine I'd rather have nine blessed than ten not blessed it may not be cursed but it's not blessed either I'd rather have nine that God's smiling on than ten that God's disappointed in. Where's your faith? I feel your faith drawing up like this. I feel somebody going, I can't believe it. This this guy comes once a year. How dare he going to come up in here and talk about money? You can do that when you're my age. You can do that. Do that when you've sacrificed, like I've sacrificed and like I've watched her sacrifice. When you've given way more than the tithe for many, many years, when you've given your whole life away, you kind of earn some street cred, right? You kind of earn the right. I want to close like this. I stand before God. Would you why don't we stand right now like we're standing before God? I'm just I'm gonna release this this team to do what they do and I'm gonna get out of the way. But one of these days you and I are going to stand before let me tell you what you're going to regret. This is my opinion, but I think it's biblically accurate. When you're standing before God, let me tell you what you're going to regret. You're not going to regret the things you did that you shouldn't have done. You're not going to regret your sins and your mistakes. Because I'm not talking about the judgment throne of God. We're not. Go, we're not ever going to stand there. The children of God, the believers, are never going to stand and be judged at the white throne. When we die or the rapture happens, we go directly to heaven. We don't get judged. Paul said we've already been judged. Right here, when we prayed, when we repented, our sins were sent to the judgment. Jesus Christ took our penalty so when I say stand before God I'm not I'm not trying to scare you I'm not talking about you being afraid no 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 no. I'm saying you're there you made it you're in heaven the streets are shining under your feet angel choirs are singing over there and there's another one over there singing and and there, you've never seen so much happiness and felt so much peace. It's you can taste it in the air, the joy. It's incredible, the place, your new home. And you are only going to regret standing there in that moment. Here's what you're gonna regret. These will be your regrets. I wish I had given more. I wish I had done more I wish I had worked harder I wish I had served better because I had an opportunity to make eternal differences in other people's lives and I could have done more it's like Schindler's List seen that movie at the end when he spent everything he owns, he's bankrupted himself buying Jews to save their lives and they're trying to get him out the Nazis are coming to kill him and he looks down and he sees his gold tie tack on his tie and he begins to cry and he says I could have sold that and saved one more This is what I fear. I'm not just preaching to you, sir and ma'am. This is this haunts me that I'm going to stand there, Pastor Rowe, and I'm going to say, I could have done more. I could have been more committed. I could have been more involved. I could have been more faithful. I could have sacrificed more. I could have prayed harder. beg you as your friend from Jersey, love the body, love it enough to make a place for it, dig it out of the rock, love the body, support the body. I declare in the name of Jesus over this church, I prophesy over this church Right now, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy and declare that this will be the greatest generosity offering, overflow offering that this church has ever received. I declare that people in this house who have not had the faith before to give radically generously and abundantly are going to step into a place of faith and test God and experience His supernatural favor through their generosity. And I declare that from this day forward, people in this room who have never been faithful in their tithe and giving, as of today, investors in this church in their finances. I declare it in the name of Jesus over this church. I know I've gone long, I'm sorry, but I, I need to rebuke the prince of poverty. I need to curse every spirit every principality that would like to in any way limit the vision and the passion of this church with finances. We break your back right now in the name of Jesus, and we cast you down, and we declare prosperity and blessing on this church and on individuals in this church. God's going to do it for you, sir. What you've been praying for, God's going to do it for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus, shout it with me. Prosperity that only comes from God. Say it. Say it. Prosperity that only comes from God is coming to my life because I'm investing in this body in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for patience.